New Ghost Stories Volume 3 is out now. In these eight new cases, we meet ordinary people facing extraordinary nightmares. From burnt-out parents stalked by shadows to social media stars discovering what else watches them. These are stories where the sins of the past never stay hidden. They always return to haunt the present. Each story is transcribed from real witness accounts. These people truly believe they've seen ghosts and their lives were never the same again. Will you give them the benefit of the doubt? Could you ever believe them? New Ghost Stories Volume 3 is available from Amazon and other online book retailers now. To find out more, visit at New Ghost Stories on Twitter and Instagram and visit my substack at davidpaulnixon.substack.com. The story you're about to hear was told to me in the strictest of confidence. Certain names, dates and locations may have been changed to protect that confidence. Events that feature in this story may be part of the public record. If you believe you recognise any of the people, places or events that feature in this story, I ask you not to reveal any information publicly out of respect for the subject's right to remain anonymous. My name is David Paul Nixon, and I'd like to welcome you to the New Ghost Stories podcast. Life's been very busy of late with the release of New Ghost Stories Volume 3, and work beginning on a brand new story I hope to have out next month for our Christmas episode. So this month, I'll leave you with one of my new ghost story shorts. This one is case number 123, and it's called Down the Back of the Sofa. I hope you enjoy it. Every summer, me and my little brother Mickey, we'd have to go stay with our nan up in Wales. It was so our folks could spend some time alone together, so they'd go off somewhere and leave us with Nan. Our Nan, rest her soul, wasn't much fun. She was real uptight, real strict. Me and my brother used to hate it up there. Couldn't stand it. There was nothing to do. It was this little estate of all bungalows, all little grannies and old fogies. I think Nan used to think we should sit around and read books all day. But me and Mickey, we weren't into that. We were a couple of scallies. We wanted to kick a ball around, climb trees, get into scraps. So she was always shouting at us, telling us off for running about and making too much noise. She'd say they could hear us stamping on the floorboards next door, which was a laugh. Round there they wouldn't have heard a bomb go off. All you heard from the neighbours was them shouting, What? Still can't hear you. Even football in the garden was noisy for her. She wanted us to stay inside. She only had three videos. A Looney Tunes one, which was alright. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. And this crap one about these little dogs who look after the land of dreams. We watched them every year until we got bored of them. Eventually we got wise and started bringing some of our own. But we always had to have the volume down. And if we were good, she'd give us a piece of chocolate before we went to bed. Just a piece, half a bar if we were really lucky. She wanted us to play a game, see who could make it last the longest. 
God, she was really tight-fisted. She used to buy everything from this market. Never believed in buying anything she couldn't haggle for. And it didn't matter if it were falling to bits, or if it had stains or holes. All that mattered was that it were cheap. Besides haggling, all she did was sit in a conservatory. She'd lie back with a damp rag on her forehead, reading or sleeping. She'd go dancing once a week when she'd send us to the cinema. That was better than hanging around her house. But she never checked the time she'd drop us off and come get us later. If the film was too short, we'd have to wait for her outside. And if the film was too long, she'd have one of the staff come in and get us. Seriously, she did that one time. Give us a real telling off after. Everything had to be her own way all the time. We'd go to the beach once every visit, which wasn't far away, and the park once, which was even closer. Never twice, and maybe not at all if it rained when she was going to take us. The beach was all right because it had arcades and one of those bingo halls. Park was okay too, it was just a park like any other. Mostly it was boring and we didn't like going to hers. We moaned to our folks about it, but they didn't care because it was cheap just to send us over there and to shut Nan up about moaning that no one ever visited her. For this one year, something really weird happened. And I mean, weird. Me and my brother didn't talk about it for years after. We both thought we'd imagined it. I thought he'd forgot it, but he hadn't. We were just having a few beers and I don't remember how we started talking about it. But when we did, it turns out we remembered it exactly the same way. The football at Nan's had burst the year before and she decided not to get another. She said she was sick of the noise we were making with it. We both reckon it's because she didn't want to spend a quid getting a new one. Good thing was my brother had bought this rubber ball with him. One of those ones that bounces like crazy if you throw it hard. The game was how many times you could throw and bounce the ball before Nan came looking in to see what the sound was. And then you had to hide it before she saw it. We managed to keep this up for more than a day. Every time she came to see what the noise was, we'd pretend we'd been doing nothing. And the ball was real easy to hide because it was small. We could hide it quick even if she made us show her our hands. She knew something was up, but she couldn't figure out what. It was the day she always took a trip to the shops. She'd always make out like this was an outing, something we should enjoy, like it were fun to carry her shopping bags around. She was in the bathroom caking herself in powder. Me and Mickey were bouncing the ball in the hall. The other thing about the game was that the ball bounced like crazy. It could go anywhere. You just didn't know where it was going to go. We were bouncing it across the living room to each other. We had to be careful not to knock her stuff over and break it. She had all these dainty little ornaments, flowery things with women in big dresses and flowers in baskets. She was taking ages to get ready, so we were bouncing it back and forth. As we were doing it, we were throwing it harder and doing it faster. It was only a matter of time before it went too far. I throw the ball too hard to Mick, and he goes stumbling backwards to catch it and smacks into the sideboard. The sideboard knocks back against the wall and all the ornaments start to rattle. We were dead lucky nothing broke, 
but he made so much noise that Nan comes out shouting, What are you up to? We both say nothing and she wants to know what the noise was and we both pretend like we don't know. She sees Mickey is hiding something behind his back, so she wants to see what it is. He says, nothing. But she wants to see what's in his hands. What he did was so smooth, it was beautiful. While he shows her what's in one hand, he flicks the ball out of the other. The ball lands without making a sound onto the sofa cushions. And when she tells him to show her the other hand, now that's empty too. She knows something's up, but she's not sure what. She tells us both to stand in the hall until she's ready. She goes back into the bathroom and I send Mickey back into the living room to get the ball. He goes to the sofa while I'm keeping watch. He goes and starts to rummage about down between the cushions. But he takes his time. I ask him what's the matter. He says it must have slipped right down the back. I look to see what Nan's doing and he makes this sound like... I look and see him jump off the sofa. There's something down there, he shouts. I tell him to keep his voice down. What the hell's he talking about? He says there's something moving down there. I tell him to stop being stupid. He says he felt something sticky and slimy. I just want him to get the ball back so we don't get in trouble. I don't care about what he's on about. I tell him to stop being stupid and get the ball back. I force him to go back in there. He goes back to the sofa and I watch him, telling him to hurry up. He dips his arm down again to get it. Hurry up, I keep shouting. I think I've got it, he says. But a moment later he cries out loud and jumps off the sofa. I tell him to shut up, but he's got tears in his eyes, says it bit him. Before I can find out what he's on about, Nan comes out the bathroom shouting at us for making a racket. She asks Mickey what's the matter now. He's got his hand pressed up under his armpit. He's about to cry, but he holds it in and doesn't say anything. Nan says she has half a mind to make her stay at home as a punishment. We're not stupid, of course. We know she can't leave us there. All the while in the car... I'm trying to whisper to Mickey to find out what's the matter. He won't say. He won't even look at me. I whisper to him, What's up with your hand? But he won't bring it out. He's got it stuck under his arm and won't show it. We get to the supermarket and we get out the car. One hand sorting out a trolley, I snap at him. Tell him to tell me what's going on. He still won't tell me. So I pull his hand out from under his arm. I only get a quick look before he tugs it back, but I can see that something's had a go at him. There are these scratches on his hand and there's blood on them. It looks bad, and I was pretty surprised at first. But when I start thinking about it, I reckon he's probably just cut himself on a spring or something. Some metal's just scratched him up. That's all it could have been. That's what I try to say to him while we're going about quick save. Don't be such a baby. You got scratched, that's all. But he's not having any of it. Something tried to bite him. There's something slimy living down there. He felt it. Felt it move. I try to tell him he's stupid and a wimp and he tries to start on me. But Nan's there so he can't. That night when we get home, we won't even go near the sofa. So while we're being made to watch episodes of Poirot, he sits on this hard dining room chair in the corner. 
Nan's been having a go at him too now, but he won't say what's the matter to her. But as the night goes on, I watch him, and I look at his hand and at those scratches, and as I do, I start to lean back and run my hand along the back of the sofa, trying to see what he could have cut himself on, whether I can find the ball. I don't put my hand down very far, but I just feel something clammy. I pull my hand back up very quickly because did something just move? Am I crazy? But did something kind of twitch? I don't make any noise. I don't make a sound. But I don't put my hand back down there. Something weird is going on down there. We didn't even get a chocolate bar to share that night. We'd been too difficult that day. Nan was always in bed by ten o'clock, so we had to be ready. So me and Mickey both got ready too. We're both quiet because we're both freaked out by what's going on with the sofa. I can't get it out of my head, and I want to know what it's all about, even though I am a bit... scared. I'll admit that. But I also really want the ball back. If Nan gets it, we'll have nothing to do all the time. So after I've finished cleaning my teeth, I decide to creep out the bathroom and go back into the living room. I walk over there carefully, not making a sound. I know that house so well. I know what floorboards make a noise and which ones don't. I don't put the light on, but the light in the hall is on, so it's only a bit dark. I get on the sofa and put my arm between the cushions at the back, slowly at first, feeling around to see if I can find the ball. After searching for a moment, I get off and look underneath. See if I can see anything down there. But there's not the ball, nothing. I get back on the sofa. This time I start to feel my way between the two cushions, starting from the front and drag my hand all the way along to the back. There's nothing there at first, but when I get to the end, I suddenly feel something cold. I look down between the cushions, and at that moment, I swear to God, in the dark I see an eye open. It's between the cushions, and it looks right up at me. I'm scared stiff, too frightened to make any sound, and then, just as I'm going to shout, it moves underneath the sofa cushions, like this thing shoots up from underneath me and wraps itself around my neck. Within, like, a second it's got me, this big tentacle, and it's trying to pull me down between the cushions. I grab onto the back of the sofa, but this thing's so strong it's like a python clamped around my throat. I can't breathe. I can't make a sound, it's choking me and smothering me against the sofa. It picks me up and throws me down into the cushions. Then it starts to throw me from side to side. I'm upside down, my legs are just kicking in the air. I'm turning blue. It's squeezing the life out of me. I don't know what's going on. Everything is spinning. It smacks me against the sofa. It tries to drag me back into the cushions again. And everything's starting to go dark. I'm basically pissing myself. I think it's going to kill me. I was being choked. It was squeezing the life out of me. I think I'm going to die. This thing is going to kill me. Then someone gets on the sofa with me. It's Mickey. He's shouting, screaming. He's on my back, hitting the thing, the snake, trying to pull it off me. He's jumping on the sofa, trying to get it off me. And it works. The thing lets go. I can breathe again. I go flying off the front of that sofa and go smack against the carpet. 
The world's a blur, but I'm okay. Mickey starts shaking me to bring me around and see that I'm all right. If he'd not have turned up, I swear I'd be dead. Well, he's there checking to see if I'm okay. We both spot something. We see it, this snake, this huge python. It's transparent see-through, like it's made of jelly. And it slithers along the carpet, just slides right across it. It's like 15 metres long, and it's fast. Like a dart, it slides into the hall and around the corner, out of sight. And me and Mick, we're shit scared. We just run straight into the corner of the room and hold each other in complete shit scared terror. After a while, one of us gets up and closes the living room door, but we stay there like that, terrified, frightened out of our little heads. It must have been there for over an hour. Where was our nan? She always used to tell us she never went to sleep until she was sure we'd gone to bed. But you know what? She'd been fast asleep the whole time. After a while, we got up the nerve to go back to our bedroom. But we searched that place high and low before we went to bed. And even then, I don't think we slept very much that night. We had a look around the house the next morning too. Nan wanted to know why the sofa was in such a mess. But we just pretended we'd done nothing. We couldn't tell her. She'd never believe us. We looked for evidence of the ghost snake, but we never found any. We figure it must have got out the old cat flap. And we thought we hated going up to Nan's already. The next year we begged, begged our parents not to send us up again. Fat chance. We were up there again, but nothing weird was down the sofa that time but we were both too afraid to sit on it for the rest of the years we went up there before she died. I'll tell you what, though. We never did find that ball. Think about that. I mean, what happened to it? Where'd it go? Thank you for listening to the New Ghost Stories podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please give it a like or leave a review on any platform and subscribe to hear future releases. And if you want to support the podcast, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newghoststories. The podcast is written and produced by me, David Paul Nixon. And today's story features in the book 14 New Ghost Stories, which is available from Amazon, Apple Books and other book retailers. To hear all the latest from me, Sign up to my Substack at davidpaulnixon.substack.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at New Ghost Stories and learn more at newghoststories.com. Next time on the New Ghost Stories podcast, just because someone's spending Christmas alone doesn't mean they're really alone. The New Ghost Stories podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Horrified Mag.